Have you ever wanted to talk to a complete stranger? Somebody on the bus, in class, at the grocery store. Not just to hit on them, but just to talk. Have a moment. Hear something real. And here's a chance to do that. This is Story Talk, the conversation you've never heard. And today's conversation, deceit. I'm Joel Weltzing, Story Talk producer and your host for today. Here's the deal. Either she was lying or she's actually brain dead. This is Robin. He's a retired high school biology teacher. And you just have this horrible sinking feeling of just wanting to melt. That's Peter. He's a caregiver from Butte, Montana. Something bad could have happened and no one would have known where I was at or why I didn't catch my next flight or (laughs) something really bad could have happened. It could have been a taken situation. And that's Kim. She's a senior at the University of Montana studying communications and Spanish. She's also part of the Story Talk team. And I'm hosting this week, so you'll hear me too. Let's get started. When I was growing up, I, um, my mom would come in and tuck me, tuck me into bed. I would say, night mom. She'd say, night Joel. I'd say, are you gonna stay up here right across the, through the hallway in her room, I'm gonna stay up here and not go downstairs and hang out with my dad. And she's like, yeah, I'll stay up here. She's like, I said every night, forever and ever. And she'd say, yes, Joel, forever and ever. And she would go into her room and hang out. And then one night I realized that, a little, stayed up a little later, couldn't go to sleep, I was tossing and turning. And I, I heard her crawl down the stairs and go hang out. It was like 11, my bedtime was like eight o'clock. And I knew that this whole time I'd been lied to. And um, needless to say, I was pretty mad at my mom because that's three hours is certainly not forever and ever. Have you guys ever been lied to? One time I was visiting at my daughter's house who has two children, a boy and a girl, and the older girl was, and she may have been 12 or 14, and the younger one, maybe 12, and the other one was like nine or 10. And there, there occurred a, a little squirt gun activity came emanated from the bathroom Somebody squirted somebody, and then they were retaliated. And there was intense sibling rivalry between those two. And it ended up with there's no way they were going to be topped one or the other. Then it was dish rags, and then it was buckets. And finally, the boy ended up, when I finally entered the scene, he had got a hose hooked up from outside through the window and was chasing her down the hall with a garden hose in the house. And I thought, so when we put a stop to that, we asked, which one of you started this? And neither, apparently, neither one started it, you know. <laughs> or one of them was lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. I have that experience a lot with my nieces. Um, they're little kids, and little kids are very good at lying really bad lies. And every time it's a giant mess, who made the mess? She did it. Not me. I didn't do it. Nope, nope, not me. Yeah. I see the paint on your hands. Nope, I didn't do it. Wasn't me. I didn't do it. Go away now. <laughs> so then, do you think you've ever lied to protect someone? Anything like to do with my friends, you know, for sure that I would withhold information or not, or I'd lie about something to protect someone. If it's, you know, if someone tells you something that it's not yours to, sh- to yours to share. I think that's an okay instance where it's okay to lie or just not say what you know. Um, 
you know, I would say that I try to do that with my friends all the time, trying to figure out what is mine to tell or what isn't mine to tell or, um, yeah, thinking of who you're affecting when you're telling things. I'm a horrible isolationist myself, so I often find myself lying just to be alone, but I don't want to say that because other people get hurt by that notion, by mm-hmm. the idea of, I don't want to be around you, so therefore there is something wrong with me. So I'll often just say the, oh, I'm not feeling up for it, or yeah. I'm doing X, Y, or Z, when really I'm just, you know, doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of protecting them in that I'm not ruining their self-image, I guess. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I can relate to that, Peter, that I feel like sometimes, like, with, like, school and just so many things going on, you know, and you always say, oh, like, let's grab coffee or let's do this, and when you actually make, you know, plans, but you just, like, really want to take a nap sometimes instead, or you just want, like, you time, like, it's hard to be, like, oh, like, I just need this time for myself, but instead, oh, like, hey, I forgot I had this going on, right, or I don't feel well, so I've definitely experienced that, too. There's a lot of those kinds of lies. I try to avoid direct, you know, direct, all-out, traceable lies, <laughs> but lies of omission where you say, oh, it'll be okay, when you know it won't. Or when somebody did something, working is, is constant, you're with friends or with people, or or somebody slams a book that falls on your foot, and it's a, or the door on your finger, and they say, did that hurt? Nope, this is good. It's a total lie. <laughs> why do you think people lie like that when, I don't know, something like pain or something like that, why do you think we have a tendency to, you know, to make things less dramatic or not say how we actually, how we actually feel? Well, there's a couple of possible reasons. A general reason would be what you've already mentioned, that you're, you're just trying to save them feeling bad about it. Know, kind of make it easy on them. Nah, it's cool. And which also in turn makes you look like the good guy. Or you're trying to be tough, it didn't hurt. Those are possibilities. That one happened a lot to me. I grew up the youngest in a family of mostly older brothers. So I got picked on a lot. So it's uh, the usual, hey, did this hurt? Oh, yes, of course it hurt. You, you, you ow. And, but no, you can't say that because you, know, you have to pretend to be tough and to look better, but for their re- for whatever reason, imagine reasons of a little kid, I suppose, mm. which continues on to adulthood. Mm. <laughs> I lied once to protect my mother's image of me. Um, I was a senior in high school, and it was it was it was uh, the first day of 2012, and it was New Year's Day, and that night. My friends and I were drinking underage, at a, if you can imagine, <gasps> Gasp. At, a, at, a, uh, at a friend's house. And we were there, we were having fun, and I, I had been drinking some, but I hadn't been that much. Um, and at one point, we, everyone that was at this party, we all ran out of alcohol. And this one kid that I kind of knew, he was younger, um, said, oh, I have some more beer in my car, which is parked at my grandma's house across town. And so, can anyone drive and get it? And I felt, honest to God, I felt um, that I was sober enough to drive safely, because I didn't consider that. And so I said, oh, I can drive you. And I was 17 and this kid was 15. And um, so I said, okay, my car is parked in front of everyone else's. And so um, 
everyone gave me their keys to their car so I could move all their cars to get to my car so I could drive this kid across to his grandma's house. And I, um, I got all the keys and I walked outside with this, with this kid and I looked at my car, you know, this shabby little Subaru that I always drive, and I looked at the car behind it was this really nice truck, a brand new Toyota Tacoma stick shift, which I drive stick shift and I think they're really fun. And I was like, I think I'm gonna take that car. And so I took my, it was one of my friend's cars, uh, his truck, and I took the truck, we drove across town, and we got there, and we got the beer, and we just set it in our laps, and we drove back, and I remember, I'll, I'll never forget, that we were driving back, and we were a block away, literally like 100 yards away, around the curve from my, from my friend's house, who was ha having the party, and a cop pulled behind us, and he was driving along, and the guy, this 15-year-old kid said to me, he's like, hey man, Joel, watch out, there's a, there's a cop. And I looked over at him and I said the words, I said, uh, dude, I'm driving 21 in a 25, there is no way I can get pulled over. And as that last word came out of my mouth, the lights went off and I imagined myself in a, in a jail. I was like, oh, it's all over, my parents are gonna kill me. I'm like, we're, we were sitting here, two teenagers, like literally with beer, like sitting in our laps. <laughs> and um, anyway, uh, the cop pulled us over and I, um, I told him that I had been drinking earlier, but I felt sober enough and I was just giving him a ride home and that this beer was just not our beer, but it was the person who knew the truck. And anyway, he took me to the, to the police station. And long story short, eventually my parents, I had to call my parents at five o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning um, to come in and pick up their son who was in danger of getting a DUI. And I, I, I called um, my house, and my dad picked up, and he was mad. He's like, he was getting woken up by a phone call. He didn't like that. So he called me and said, who is this? I said, Dad, this is Joel. I'm at the police station. I'm not getting a DUI. I need you to come down. And there was a long pause, and he said, okay. They hung up, and he came, and both he, I remember them walking into the little holding area where they had us, and both of them making eye contact at the same time, and it pierced through my soul. I was thought, I am, I've never screwed up as much as I am right now. And so I told them that I was just giving this ride, this kid a ride home. I tried to make me look like the good guy and saying that, oh, this kid, he didn't want to drive home, he was too drunk, and I was, felt sober enough that I was going to drive him home. That's so what I told them, and they bought it. And uh, I thought I did this because I didn't want to think, I thought at the time I didn't want to think that I didn't want my parents' image of their kid to be altered. Um, I think they wanted, I wanted my parents to think that their kid was a good guy. And so... I don't know, the, the next day, I dealt with that a lot. And then I went to sleep the next night, and I came out, I went to my parents' room, I was like, Mom and Dad, I lied. I wasn't giving him a ride home. I was taking him to a car to get more beer so we could drink more. And um, I just felt that was the need to be honest. But that was a situation in which I did lie in, in my mind to protect someone from the tr truth of the, the actuality that I just wanted to drink more, my friend. But anyway roundabout way of getting there. So, don't lie to your parents, kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's the message here. It's a good story. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I guess that being said, what I've just addressed, when do you guys think that it is okay to lie? Because I sure thought it was okay to lie in that situation. And then my soul told me otherwise the next day as it was eating me away. So when is it okay to lie then? When it's funny. <laughs> I, I, I do that a lot to my nieces. And I admit that I'm a horrible person for doing it, but every once in a while they'll ask me something. Um, they play Minecraft a lot, mm -hmm. and they'll ask me, how do I make so-and-so in Minecraft? And I give them completely wrong information just because it amuses me, because that's what you know, 
what I'm supposed to do as an uncle is mislead the younger generation, apparently. <laughs> and they'll, you know, go out and try it out. And they're like, this isn't working. Oh, yeah, right, because you're using the wrong things. You do it this way instead. Yes. And they get angry at me and they give me the scowly face. And it's funny. So in that situation, it sort of works. But that's more of a being a prankster, as mm-hmm. it were, which is ultimately lying. But at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when it's funny, which is a really hard thing to determine. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's okay to lie when, you know, you're protecting yourself or others. So, like a time I lied, I remember, so last um, year I studied abroad in Spain. And on my way over to Spain, I was making a pit stop in Iceland because my ticket worked out that way. And I decided, like, you know, this is going to be the first time I'm traveling alone. Um, but Iceland, you know, is expensive, and I want to have, like, this you know, different experience. So I decided that I wanted to couch surf, um, which is staying with a stranger <laughs> on their couch for free. Um, and I didn't really tell, I think I told, like, two or three friends, but I lied to um, my family and telling them that I had a hostel, you know, it was okay, that, um, I don't know, I lied in that instance in the way that, I didn't want, you know, my family was already so worried about me going abroad and having this experience. I didn't want to add extra stress to them. So yeah, I lied about having this total game plan or even that like I had a place to live when I got to Spain, but I stayed with a stranger when I went to Iceland. When I got to Spain, I had nowhere to live and I just knew one other American that was there from our university um, studying who helped me out. And so I think it's okay to lie when you know, I don't know, I knew every, I had this feeling of, you know, things are going to be okay, I'm doing this for me. Um, they don't necessarily need to know these details because I didn't want to be stopped from doing those things and I didn't want them to worry more than, you know, they were already worrying about me, so. Well, that goes back to the uh, question of lying to protect people. Mm-hmm. You're protecting yeah. them from worrying. So, uh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so is, that a, is that a good one then? To, to protect someone is okay to, to lie to protect someone? To protect, someone? And I, but I also think it's very, I mean, very selfish motives though too you know yes I was like protecting them but I also I think was just being very selfish of like this is what I'm gonna do like you cannot stop me no one can stop me so I don't know I think it's I think we can think oh like I'm protecting myself or someone else but I think also a motive can be being selfish and doing what you want to do depending the scenario but yeah do you think one is okay then yeah because in the end I mean there. I guess that situation was okay, and the fact that I didn't die, I'm here, <laughs> like I'm okay, I found a place to live, the guy I stayed with was really nice, helped me out, um, so it was okay, it did turn out, you know, okay, it's, it's not going to affect my relationship with my family, but I don't know, it could have it been a really bad lie, and the fact I could have stayed with a stranger, and something bad could have happened, and no one would have known where I was at, or why I didn't catch my next flight, or... <laughs> Something really bad could have happened. It could have been a taken situation. I don't know, but that's a tough one for me yeah, because yeah. it's a tough one for me because in my family, I was the oldest of six children, and my mother's father was a person who I, to this day, can't imagine that he would have ever lied. He was just like he was the Abe Lincoln to me of the family. Whether Abe lied or not, I can't say. But <laughs> <coughs> at any rate, it wasn't acceptable. And trust in our family was the whole basis of which it was made to work. 
So not being of much imagination, I decided, you know, I put any lies were, were not acceptable. And it was really hard to, impossible for me to lie to my parents without fessing up immediately. You know, I, I just didn't, so it wasn't worth it, the anguish. And yet, um, so in my mind, there is no lie that's, o that's okay. But in practice, there's, there's, there's times when you do it anyway. I don't think, I don't, I can't feel it's okay. But when I say to, you know, when I go to visit my mother or her friends who are 90 and say, oh, you look, that looks great. They don't, they don't really, may not look great at all. Or when the millions of times my mom said, you'll be careful, won't you? And I'm going skiing, and I'm <laughs> going alpine, you know, windsurf, or I'm going alpine, uh, you know, touring, or I'm windsurfing on a weird lake in a thunderstorm. <laughs> you know, I would say, oh, I was fine. But I don't think it's okay. <laughs> it's hard to hard to get mm. there. I think it all, it all depends on the idea of when is it is okay to lie. It's it's it's. It is your place to say because you're the one telling the lie or not. I mean, you essentially make that decision. But whether or not it is objectively the right thing to do, I think is, it depends on how it's that you, you can't perceive that. You can only perceive, you can create this own narrative of why it's okay to lie and why if it's lying because it's funny or if it's insignificant. That's what I would think. If you're like, if it doesn't matter, if there's no consequences to anyone, then the lie wouldn't matter. But at the end of the day, you're still lying. I mean, you're still not being honest at some point. So, I don't know. I think I struggle with that myself. When is it okay to lie? When is it not? I like to think I try to conduct myself pretty honestly in most of my relationships and in how I um, handle myself in my life. And I think that's a big part of, of one's character to some degree. But that being said, um, lying in relation to, to protecting people or saying a joke or it's insignificant or not, those are all... Like if you walk into someone's house and they say, "Oh, this is this is my daughter," you say, "Oh, she's lovely," and what you'll say that no matter what. She, she, yeah, it's, it doesn't matter. And I think it's, at some point that becomes you're not that's not genuine. So I think is is that a, is that a what's a greater sin to lie or to to hurt someone's feelings at some point? I think that's something that I struggle with. You can also become very. I think everyone becomes very astute at 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 finding something to say positive with, so that you can avoid lying. Mm -hmm. and, and if that, and all, if all else fails, you can say nothing. Mm -hmm. You can, did you see what happened? Well, now there's a lie you're gonna say. I wasn't really paying attention. Mm. You know, that's a kind of a, a sneaky lie. Yeah. I think a lie, just thought of that, I feel like everyone does every day, and it drives me insane, but I don't really know a way of Fixing it is, you know, anytime you see someone you know, or maybe you don't know, you know, you see someone on campus or in the community, or when you see someone and you ask, hey, Robin, how are you? You know, say, I'm good, how are you? I'm good. And then you pass someone in passing. Like, that drives me, I don't know, I think about that a lot. I don't know why recently that's been a, of just think of every day, I mean, I know, I lie every day when it comes to that, or, you know, or, I mean, I'm, I'm gen, you know, for the most part, I would say I'm good most days. You know, think of how many times that maybe you aren't doing well or you're tired or, but I mean, what else are you supposed to say? The, you know, people are expecting you to say, I'm good. 
it's a social contract thing where you're if you somebody says how are you then you unburden your entire soul on them that seems to be a bit unfair to them since yeah that's they weren't exactly prepared for that to happen but it's a very ungenuine yeah like but it's just it's a byproduct of living in a polite society where we just try to make nice with each other try to be happy towards each other but even if all of it is surface level crap if, it, if it's just all I'm fine I'm dandy even though everything is horrible and uh, uh, just terrible but you still say you're fine and dandy because the person that you bump into you don't want to necessarily unload your all, all your troubles on them because unless they ask for it do you think that that's a white lie then for sure that white lie so how do you define a white lie then because that is a when does a white line not become a white line? How I think that's a, what a, 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 a level of intention, whether you intend to hurt somebody or not. Because if you're intending to hurt somebody, that becomes the awful, horrible lies that no one likes. Whereas if your intention is honorable, then it's more of uh, the white lie variety. Because you, there's a lot of situations where they kind of the lines obviously blur. Mm. But from you telling the lie it's uh your whatever the intention behind it is would be the qualifier for that for me because when i lie to my nieces i'm obviously not doing it to be a jerk i am doing it to be a jerk because it's funny i'm not doing it to intentionally hurt them in the long run i'm Mm -hmm. just doing it because it's a quick laugh and they get and they get a giggle out of it too Mm -hmm. whereas um the i'm fine thing is uh, a little white lie that you know it's fine. Everything's fine. How are you? I would say for me, it depends who I'm talking to. I thought about that too. Of, yeah, I don't think it's a, you know, you're not hurting someone. If I see someone that I just know from a class or that, you know, I'm not close with, hey, how are you? And I'll say, oh, I'm good. I'm fine. But if it's like one of my good friends or someone I'm close to and they ask me, how are you? And I say, I'm good and I'm not doing good. That's when I feel like that's a lie. That's a, you know, because I just think of, you know, I wouldn't want my friends to lie to me. I'd want my friends to be honest and truthful in that because I care about them enough to want to know. So I think for me it just really depends for a white lie in that situation who I'm talking to and who's asking me how are you and whether I'm being truthful or not. I agree, especially because I think often the people that you have that service level interaction with, that it stays only at that service level, are the people that you don't really know that well. Like everyone that I see that's a good friend of mine or someone that I am close to, if I see them I'd say, hey, how are you? followed by a lot of questions about their life and we would have a conversation generally even if i just saw them randomly i'm sure sure i'd stop and talk with them for a while but the people i'm just walking that that i think you can tell if you don't change your pace at all at walking if you're going to keep going no matter what they say then that's probably yeah Yeah. so i think i think that's a i think that's that's to me like this doesn't matter (laughs) you know like they know that and i know that we're just saying hey buddy how's it going like it's a natural reaction to say i think at this point but I don't know if that's what I would consider a white lie because that's almost like a white lie. I think is still conscious. I think you're aware of lying, and perhaps you're not intending to hurt someone. But whereas if I'm walking by and I see someone that I had like a lab with my freshman year, and they say, "Hey, how are you?" and I say, "Good man, how are you?" That's a that's a reaction because it is meaningless. It's just like it's nothing. Whereas I think a white lie is is a step further into the realm of deceit. I would say because a white lie, you're still you're still recognizing that you're lying. I'm not recognizing, like, oh, man, I should have told that person that I am not having a good day. <laughs> you know, it doesn't really, they don't really care, and neither do I to tell them, you know. But I think a white lie is something that you're making a conscious effort. You're saying something. 
um, you're, there's a point to what you're doing it. And it might, you might think that you're protecting someone. You might think it's all these things. But at the end of the day, you are lying. I think that's, 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 a, that's a white line. That's that fine line to get to a white line. That's a tough. I don't know what determines that and the where the fine line is between that and the the heinous, whopping lies that you do for, or that you see done or are do for either to hurt someone on purpose or a great personal gain. You know, is that any different than the one where you know you tell the policeman, "I had no idea I was going." I think the scariest thing about that scenario, particularly yeah. scenarios like that, is is you can think that it, it is insignificant, but it could be significant. Yeah, I mean, that's just, you only have, you're only armed with your own perspective, I think. And so in, in the realm of objective truth, you can, you, you only, you're just a small ant in what is actually objectively true, and you have your own decisions that you have to make. Yeah. I think that's difficult. That makes me think of, um, someone asked you, do you think that um, withholding information can be a lie? So that made me think when you were saying, you know, I think sometimes you don't realize by not saying something that that could be a grip, you know, puzzle piece to something. That makes me think of um, when I was in art, well, this is my third year being an RA, but when I was an RA my sophomore year, I had one of my residents come to me about a sexual assault. Um, it was really upsetting. You know, I had to write an incident report about it. Um, she filed something with Title IX in the city. It was this whole thing. Um, it was a really horrible situation. And months later, I found out that the male she accused of raping her lived in another residence hall, lived in another residence hall, and his RA at the time, the next day the guy had said something to him that connected with the case, but he didn't find it significant enough to write an incident report about it, so he never did, but ended up telling one of my good friends he was on staff with, who then months later told me after I told her kind of about the situation that was happening with my, one of my residents. And I remember just feeling so infuriated <laughs> that just knowing like what a difference that could have made of just like having that incident, that other little puzzle piece of just like this guy saying something that pertained to this case to his RA the next day that could have been, I don't know, it could have just been that furthermore that, you know, I'm not the person to be able to say whether that did or didn't actually happen. That's not my thing to decide, but just to know that if Title IX would have had that information, what could have happened more so in that. Um, I think that's something that bugs me thinking of. Uh, is withholding information lying? Um, is it and something that... A lie by a different name, because what you described is I like to call lies through incompetence, where people just don't know any better and they don't do it, but they're. But there's also, yeah, the, the lies through omission is the, um, the main, major thing is they're, they're just splitting hairs. They're all lies and deceit, and the, the whole goal is to fool somebody, whether you leave out important information through intention or just because you just forgot it. Uh, doesn't matter? I don't know. I have no point to make. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot where I was going. I think the RA there, <laughs> that is... It's, I think it's the, the bottom, that's where I get from that story is that it's hard to know what is significant. Because I don't think, I hope, that this RA who had this story from this guy and then didn't say it because he didn't think it was significant, I don't think that was with um, malicious intent, necessarily. I just think, like you said, he was ignorant. Mm -hmm. He didn't think that that pertained. But 
he could have thought, and to this day, perhaps, unless you address him and call him on it, think that he handled that situation appropriately. He did the right thing. That he just didn't think that that piece of information was significant. And I think that's that's where that's where this all is difficult because you can think that something is okay to lie about, but it cannot be okay to lie about in the big picture of things and how it affects yeah. people. I think that is it's a hard call to make, but we do it all the time. Everyone's out there lying about everything, so it's hard to conduct yourself. Well, it's a tool in our verbal toolbox, uh, and just gotta know how to use them. Yeah, and well, gotta know. How, so, what do you think the benefit of a lie is then? Uh, the obvious ones of self gain. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, get, getting a giggle from my nieces mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, for you, getting the joy of spending the lovely time in Europe without having to worry everyone at home. <laughs> it's, it's just yeah, it's um, selfishness would be kind of what they are. I mean, you can. <laughs> lie to yourself and say that's not but it, mm. they usually boil down to that of some form of selfishness uh, to me mm. what are you thinking i mean it makes me think of now i'm like thinking about all my re stories that <laughs> but one t- okay one time that i lied with being an ra probably the biggest lie that i've done while being an ra um that i felt like it was a good lie to protect someone was this was also my first year. My first year being an RA was really rough. Um, but I had a resident come tell me that she was dating this guy in a fraternity and that he had filmed them having sex and showed his frat house. She didn't tell me this directly. Her friend actually told me. I should. Her friend told me, you know, I'm not going to tell. She told me, you know, you know my friend so-and-so. My friend told me this. I'm the only person that knows. I don't know what to do. I'm telling you, you're my RA, help me. Um, you know, and I you know, told her, you know, your friend can come talk to me if she wants to, you know, you know she, I'm a resource too, da, 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 da. But I knew, okay, my job is by law, I have to do an incident report about this event. So I did my incident report, I had my supervisor read it, but I decided not to include names because my resident specifically asked me, please do not include the name of my, because I always let my residents know, hey, thank you for coming to me. I have to write this report, though. It's totally confidential. It only goes up and not out, but just so you know. But she was like, okay, I just really would not like you to put her name or anything, though, because I'm the only person she's told. You know, I don't want this to get out in any way or that she knows that I told you. So I was writing this report. My supervisor saw that I didn't include names. My supervisor was like, Kim, like, you have to add the names of these people. And I was like, I'm not going to <laughs> do this. Um, and then finally I was like, okay, like I will put the name of my resident who came and talked to me. But like I refused to put the name of her friend because she specifically asked me not to do that morally. Like I don't think that's right. Um, you know, my supervisor was like, by law, you know, you have to do this because when a report like that happens, it gets sent to Title IX on campus, which then Title IX usually sends a letter to that person just saying, we're Title IX, we're a resource if you'd like to contact us. But then in that situation, her friend would know, someone told, this is why I'm getting this letter. Um, So my supervisor knew that I knew, and obviously I knew the name of this girl. But I just got, I was like, I, you know, just lied, even though my supervisor knew I was like, you know, knew I wasn't telling the truth either of just saying, I don't know the name of this person, so I can't put it in the report. So I, I mean, I don't know, I guess I could have gotten fired if, that supervisor really wanted me to in that situation, but I decided to lie and say I didn't know the name of this person to 
protect my resident and this other girl that the situation happened to and I still feel like that was the right decision to make and I'd rather be fired for something like that than tell the truth. You were put in a really, really difficult position though in that case, you know. So yeah, what is the, legally, I guess this might be a tangent, but legally why would you be, because if that, the girl who was involved in the incident did not come to mm -hmm. you, but you uh -huh. are still legally responsible, if you hear, like yeah. if you, because that's the same equivalent to just hearing chatter, right? So not, so I'm considered a mandatory reporter because I am employed by the university since I'm a resident assistant. So anyone, so a professor even, anyone like that who is employed by the university is a mandatory reporter, which means by contract, by law, you have to report instances of things like, you know, there's a fire, someone comes to you about a sexual assault or anything like that. Those are all stats that have to be reported to um, the Department of Justice to make stats about our university of what does and doesn't occur. Um, so it's just something that all universities have to do and all people in those types of positions have to do. Um, I think uh, there's a there's a situation of you're judging yourself and how you're going to behave, but most of us eventually, like you, come in a situation where you're judging others. In my case, it was thousands of students, university kids at the U of O where I taught and, and um, the high school kids I taught for decades here. Every day is, is a, a situation where somebody has this late assignment and this reason why, and you have set down the rules that you expect everyone else to, and you decide whether the truth of their statement um, constitutes you're being merciful <laughs> <laughs> and giving them an extension that you didn't give anyone else, mm. and that you know, and, or, or if you, you know, harden your heart and say no, you had a chance to do this and you didn't, and some of that, some of that time, you're making a judgment on if you think this person's a liar or not. Mm. Whether you should be doing that, I don't know, but you know, you you. So that goes back to. It goes back to, if you look at it from this person's point of view, there's a good reason to have integrity because then people are likely to believe you. And, and uh, if not, probably won't. From, from, the, from a teacher's standpoint, you think, well, what difference does it make if I call this person on this obvious lie? Sometimes it makes a difference, and sometimes it doesn't. It's, you're judging people who tell the truth or not. So how did you conduct yourself in that situation? Depends on the person. Yeah. yeah. And that, you know, I, I can, I would, I would set the, I would try to set standards and rules that would work for everybody so that I didn't have to get myself in that situation. But you know, we're working with people, not machines, and there's always an exception. Sooner or later, there will be some reason where, well, you know, the difference between a C minus or a D, and it's one point out of 350, you know. 
or two points, or five points, or ten points. So how did I conduct myself? Um, I. I I tended to I tended to be to err on the side of of uh, leniency most of the time. There was the there was the girl who did an entire term paper on an owl for an entire quarter. I taught ornithology, and everyone had to do a, a field report. And I went and saw a lot of their field reports. And every day, this girl wrote faithfully about what this owl was doing. And when she wrote the report, I read it and I said, wait a minute, I've seen this owl. And it was a plastic owl on top of a building that she drove by every single day on the way to school. <laughs> now, here's my situation. She said, I had no idea. Okay, so I looked at this owl and I went out and looked at it and I had seen it many times before. So here's the deal. Either she was lying, in, case she, in which case she had no clue, and in which case she, she observed it from her car like this every time she went to school with her mom, which wasn't much of a paper. Or she's actually brain dead. She really, <laughs> she, you couldn't possibly not know this plastic owl was an owl, but then I thought, well, it's not impossible for this student. So I told her that I would give her the, the, the lowest, I think either I gave her the lowest possible passing grade po or the highest possible failing grade, <laughs> and we'd average it in with the rest, of, which, would, which would either make or break the student. <laughs> now, wow, there's, a, there's a story <laughs> that involves a complicatedness of lying or not lying or judging whether they're lying. Or, mm. I don't know, it's a tough world. Mm. Is, to think, though, that if she was lying, the extent that someone's willing to go like within their own lie. So if she knew, it sounded like she was journaling, writing about this, taking the time to do what she, it's just like why, if she actually was lying, if she knew this was a plastic owl, but to actually take the time then to actually do the, you know, if she was lying, it would have been almost easier to not, to find something else to write her observations on. Yeah, true. You know, like that's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay, have you guys ever lied and then it backfired? People found out the situation got real. Has that ever happened to you? Where you've lied and then the evidence came through and then someone was like, oh, you lied. And they called you on it and they had the evidence and, they, and you were caught in the trap. And you suffered the punishment. Has that ever happened to you guys? A couple, uh, one time actually springs to mind is uh, when I was in high school, I used to hang out with a bunch of friends uh, during the weekends, as you do, and we got in our heads that one of the people that we used to hang out with uh, suddenly wasn't cool and was being annoying and a jerk, and to be fair, he was being an annoying jerk, but that's besides the point, but it was decided amongst the group that we should exclude him for the, the, for the weekend's activities because 
screw him, he can do something else, we're tired of his, his crap. And, well, obviously he shows up, because <laughs> he found out, and then all of a sudden, oh, you're all here. Great! And it's like, oh no, oh, oh dear. And you just have this horrible sinking feeling of just wanting to melt mm -hmm. and hide and run away, because, oh dear, it, it, it's all coming, oh no! <laughs> I'm sorry, except I'm not. Uh, I'm sorry I got caught. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. I felt that exact feeling where you know you can watch the world collapse. Yeah, you, you just, oh, you're, the house of cars collapses in on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm trying to think. Um, I have one story. Um, when you said House of Cards, that reminds me of it. And I hope that you guys don't judge me on this story. I was a younger man. And um, <laughs> I was studying abroad, and I was, there was this group of, um, of girls who moved into this dormitory, uh, this big international dormitory that I was living in, in, in the Netherlands, where I, was, where I was living at the time. And um, so I, I, I kind of started fooling around with one of these, one of these girls, um, and we'll call her Judy. And Judy, so I was hanging out with Judy. She was a lovely girl, and um, that was going well. And then uh, Judy decided that she wasn't really, really interested, and so, um, so that was that. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I hope you have a good life and you can still be friends and all that stuff. And then um, another girl in the same group. Um, um, We'll call her Ruby. Um, was there, and I so I started um, getting to know Ruby a little better, and she was she was a very lovely girl, and so we kind of started hanging out. And then around this time, though, Judy decided that um, she wanted to hang out with me some more, and so I, being a young little nerd abroad, thought, "Wow, this is the best! I love being abroad." Um, and so I decided to kind of hang out with both of these girls at the same time. And then at one point. Um, one of the girls, I don't know if it was Judy or Ruby, but one of them asked me, um, hey, I noticed that you seem to be talking to this other girl a lot. Are, are, you, are you hanging out with her? Are you interested in her? And I looked her in the eyes and I said no. I said no. I was, I was not. I, uh, I lied to this girl. And then one fateful night, we were having this big, um, this big gathering. We invited all of our friends to this big dormitory and they had this open area where we cook for everyone. So we're having this big party and I remember this sense of foreshadowing, like something was going, going wrong. Something was going wrong. Like I was, remember sitting on this table and the two girls were sitting next to me and both of them had their hands on my leg, on a respective leg. And I thought, oh no. This is, I remember looking down into my drink and I was thinking, it's all going downhill. And so uh, that very night they um, go off, they go to a different bar with some of their friends and I go somewhere else. And I remember coming back and just look at my phone, which I had left at my house, and I had two texts from each of them that was just the most, like, just destroying me. Like, essentially saying that they, they had found out and that they were um, reasonably and understandably very upset at my behavior. And um, so, I had to deal with that for a while. I remember I thought, I thought the next day a lot, man, is that really, um, is that really the kind of man that I wanted to be in and act like that? So, not that it was super significant with any of them, um, I don't think they necessarily felt that way. It was very much these little study abroad flings that are pretty um, meaningless. But um, so that was the time. That was the house of cards, is how I refer to it. 
the house of cards fell and I was <laughs> and I knew it. I looked down on my phone and I knew, oh god, it's all over. I remember thinking that I remember I was like I was like shaking like melting. <laughs> I was like, it's this is not gonna go well. Um, so yeah, that was uh, moral of the story. Don't lie, um, of course. Uh, it's, it's, uh, I'll never forget that um, because that night after I read these th- these texts and the and the women were so upset, I was like, oh no, I was I was I drank it far too much. I was like, oh no, that's scary. And I, and I just went to bed. Like, and then about an hour later, I hear this knock on my door. And it was one of the girls who came in and just yelled at me. And I was sitting there sleeping in my underwear, and she was just yelling at me. And I was like, oh man, I felt really bad. I was also very frightened. And I couldn't <laughs> see, I didn't have my contacts in. And um, they were both um, fairly tall blonde women with similar voices. So I actually didn't really remember until which the next morning which one it was. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, which probably doesn't say a whole lot for my character, but, um, anyway, that was my story. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, w- I was caught. I am that exact feeling of like, oh, and I, but it was like a pre-melt. Like, I knew it was going to happen, and I was like, oh, no. Oh, you had time to simmer. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, it's going to happen. I remember thinking like, oh, I need to repent. I was like, this is, this is not going to end well for anyone. Well, I wish it didn't, and, um, fortunately enough, I was able to, um, um kind of, Repair my relationship, um, if you're being honest, I think I learned something from that experience for sure, and um, I'm still friends with these girls now, um, Judy and Ruby, um, and so I like to think it was just, you kind of, I mean, it was, it was good for me to go through that experience, so I'm just thinking about that, um, what can seem like, oh, it doesn't really matter, you know, they're not going to find out, oh, these things, they, those, um, that idea can have real consequences that, that can hurt people's feelings um, to some degree. And that's the end of it. Here's some post-conversation thoughts from our Story Talk stars. How often do you have conversations like this? Not very often. Um, I, as, as mentioned, I'm a horrible isolationist. So I usually talk to about five people, the very specific people in my day-to-day life. And outside normal, every, outside the usual pleasantries, I don't really engage in conversations with people at all. So this was refreshing, kind of why I wanted to do it. I would not have been surprised if people were a little more hesitant to tell some of those personal stories about when they'd lied and not, but they didn't, That that was great. Stay tuned for a preview of our next episode and make sure you subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It really helps people find us. Story Talk is produced by Rebecca Collins, Harris Rosendahl, Joel Weltzing, William C. Riley, Kimberly Lamar, Kat Brandos, and Bree Zender. This podcast is in association with the Global Leadership Initiative at the University of Montana. Our faculty advisor is Tobin Miller Shear. Special thanks to Student Affairs IT and UM School of Journalism for the audio equipment. Music is produced by Tyler Twombly and Poddington Bear. Thanks for listening. Next time on Story Talk, the Passion Episode. And it felt great, and it felt like a drug, in fact. And I think partly that is, was the hormones at work, just, yeah, um, you know. And, I mean, I joined a fraternity, I guess. So I think if you have a passion with no outlet, I think it just kind of bides its time inside of you if it's really a true passion uh, until you can find a way to find an outlet. I like to, to associate with those people that, that are, that are successful, that are, that are good at what they do, that, that want to be good, that want to be better that challenge themselves that might challenge me and because that's useful catch that next time on story talk the conversation you've never heard